cliffcentral.com. Welcome to the Futurology Show with uh, B1 and B2. Hello, Brett. Hey, how you doing? Good, and you? Yeah, I'm back. Good, good. Hey. Yo, that, was, uh, that was loud. It was loud, sorry. Headset. Hi, I'm back. <laughs> hey, man, you were in Cape Town. I was, bro. Like this, bro. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't. I should have hey? slowed down a bit. <laughs> also, it's November. Can you believe it's like we've got one more week left of November? Bro, where has this year gone? Don't know about one more week left. I mean, it's, I, I, I can actually remember like the July winter blues and, you know, and now we're talking summer. That's ridiculous. Um, women have started shaving their legs. We're seeing oh, really? skirts. Yeah. Sundresses. Sundresses. Nice. It's a good time of the year. Excellent. But yeah, I mean, it was windy in Cape Town. So if the wind has got anything to do with how fast time flies, then I can imagine why we're here already. It's, yeah, it's no, insane. It's, it, I, I just, I don't know. No. It's like nuts. Maybe it's just I'm getting old, so I'm noticing that uh, <laughs> my days are getting numbered. Everything's uh, ticking dum, through. Dum, dum. I actually came across an app. No, it's not my app of the week, but I came across an app like your death clock. Yeah. You put your information in, your demographics, where you live, oh, male. Morbid, male, lovely. And you can actually watch a countdown. <laughs> the scary thing is over a million downloads. I mean, so there's a lot of people that want to know when they're going to die. Come here, give me Start with me and I'll kill you. It's because the like, Unix clock told me I was going to die. Oh, uh, I can't come into work tomorrow. I'm going to die. Cool. Awesome. So talking of apps, yes. app of the week, you're a Mac user. Yes. You're an iPhone user. Yes. This is a very selfish Self-indulged app for you and me awesome. and all others like us, which are a lot of people in the station. Yeah, it's called Walter Two. It's W Walter. Yeah, W A L T R. So there's no E and the number two. And very simply, what Walter Two does when you watch the video, it's on the website. You actually use the web. You can transfer stuff to your iPhone without iTunes. You can put music into your library. You it's can put legal. documents. It's legal. It's a hundred percent. Is it really? It works. He actually says, there's a guy in there, I think his name is Josh, and he goes, um, it's magic. You know, and like, like the whole video, like, you know, the promo <laughs> video? But I shit you not, it is magic. I've, I've tried it. You can take a ringtone. So let, let's just stop on the ringtones, okay? Yeah. Have you ever tried to make a personalized yes. ringtone iPhone? I've had the same ringtone on every phone for the last 10 years. Because there's a reason for it. Yes. Because it's a ball breaker. Okay, on an iPhone, it's a nightmare. For anyone that's actually out there that's tried it, they know exactly what we're talking about. You can now create a ringtone or have a ringtone, MR4, M4R, dot M4R, yeah, I think it's M4R, M4R, yeah. And you just walter it to your phone and it puts itself into ringtones. Awesome. It's there. Yeah. I think it was about a $30, $40, $50 uh, app. I can't actually remember. $39.95. There we go. So yeah. 40 bucks. It sounds like a lot. I'm doing the user journey now. I'm Literally looking at this, this is amazeballs. It it really is. As I said, for an Apple, you know, everyone that has a go at Apple people, it's all about that ecosystem. You know, it's like yeah. you're locked into the ecosystem, and I and the and the next thing that comes to their mouth is how iTunes sucks. Let's be honest, iTunes does suck. It's not the best no. uh, interface out there. So Walter Two, um, I don't know what happened to Walter One. You can put MKV AVI files. You can move everything across everything. there. Yeah. That's amazing. So you can actually, so like, let's say, I mean, take your industry. You're always working with content. You want yeah. to show a client, you now have to go to iTunes, load it up, put it across, show it quick, quick we've, time. We've gotten pretty good at it because we've had to. Sure. You but just drag it into Walter and boom, yeah. it'll be on your phone and you watch it. That is great. Done. So I was... Uh, Thank yeah. you, Brett. This is going to change that's, things. That's what I'm saying. For yeah. an Apple-involved or Apple-locked-in person... This is quite exciting stuff. Nice. So I was, uh, yes, that's getting tweeted right now. I was quite excited about that. So before I carry on with any of my weird and wonderfuls, I mean, we were talking and mocking Cape Town. We've got to do it. Cape Town. The Schwabra. mountain. Schwabra. That's right. Eh? 
<laughs> no, it's more Durban. I can't get it out of me, bro. I, you can know, take me out of Durban. Yeah, you can't. No, I was going to say, for international <laughs> listeners, so there's like this East Coast, West Coast thing in South Africa. Yeah. In fact, there's actually the East Coast, Central, and the West Coast thing. We all just hate the West. It's simple. It completely blew my brain, though, when I was in Cape Town. Like, you know it's always going to be the case, but how light it is all the time. It's like, it just shows you that time is actually not a real thing. Well, that's why they're so slow. They've got all the time in the world. Everything happens so, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I digress. That's a whole other. We should, really should do a d- discussion about the future of time because we've been working in agile workflows and we're trying to see how these sprints and all these kinds of things work. And we started looking into the opportunity of adopting a like a six day work cycle. A six day. Oh, that's so. Uh, so Swedish, do, doing Swedish doing Swedish away with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Trying to sort of dispel the psychological. Oh my goodness, it's Monday. Yeah. Rather, it's day four of the cycle, or it's day. And just see, but another thing is just time. So maybe it's the philosopher for me just really getting frustrated at the end of a year. But the fact that it's the end of the year, why should anything change? Well, because we're gonna. I mean, there's it's nothing human nature. There's nothing really between December thirty-one and January first, and all of a sudden we've got this New Year's resolution and these gung-ho attitude, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, we've got more energy going to the year, and it's just it's more of a state of mind than anything else. So. Yeah, if anybody's listening, you really Actually, want to get involved yeah. in the, uh, the discussion around the future of time and, and workflow optimization and what we can do with better use of our time. Give us a tweet. Let us know. Be, yeah, that would be a good show. I think it would be a good show. Time is We'd need to ask for more time, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have you got time for us? So why were you in Cape Town, Brett? What were you doing down there? Uh, a number of things. So it's, the end of, it's the end of the year, so it was time uh-huh. to go and uh, catch up with some clients and uh, – also, it was uh, AfricaCom was happening, so I went down to AfricaCom. For those of you that don't know, it's been working for about 19 years. Uh, it's been going, and it's uh, the largest Africa-focused tech event uh, on the continent. So all the uh, infrastructure, telcos, uh, MVNOs, uh, some of the, the handset guys are all, are all there networking and uh doing keynotes and stuff, but it happens over a week in Cape Town over CTIC, at CTICC. And for the second year, I think, this year was uh, the TV Connect as well. So obviously it was something that we, we go through and do. And they say it's the best and brightest from across the African broadcast, telecommunications and content. TV Connect Africa will address practice and multi-screen. And that was a big thing, multi-screen, finally. I mean, I was there at AfricaCom three years ago before TV Connect or four years ago now, before TV Connect was even a thing. See how you're thinking. Like yeah. Four years. Yeah. Before TV Connect was really here, we were there at AfricaCom talking about how content is actually what people engage with, not data, and trying to get this idea that great content helps push push data. And this multi-screen society, the idea that the biggest screen in the house doesn't necessarily attract the most attention. That's true now, huh? It is. But but back then it was like, what is this crazy kid on stage talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there's this huge, uh, oh, shit. We told you so. Yeah, we were to- now it is that we told you so, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a catch up game of how do we adopt this? How do is, do we as telcos and, and brands actually make sure that we can create access to this content? So it's really, really cool. The nice thing about it is that it really is a great sort of melting pot for ideas and great, great place for everybody to network and share what we're doing in the space. So it, it is really, it is really great. I'm looking forward to seeing the event grow over the years. And uh, just some of the opportunities that come out of it. There were some great sponsors there. Facebook were there. So uh, I was invited to the Facebook Start event. They're in the news, not for the right reasons necessarily. So uh, what was the Facebook? I think I think at a certain point you uh, you kind of get in the news for the good and the bad all at the same time. I mean, yeah. We were at Cliff Central. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we're, we're case, victim yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, they were talking about uh, the tools, and they've, they've really put a good focus, not just in, in, in South Africa or Cape Town or anything, but they've gone to a number of uh, cities across the globe. And they've started this this campaign called FB Start, which is uh, Facebook Start to build better better apps. Uh, it's a great opportunity where you actually get to meet the Facebook team. So there are guys from uh, all over the all over the world and from the Facebook head office, and they all come out, and you get to learn about the Facebook platform, what you can do with it. Uh, there are great new tools that we can use. There's great new developers, some best practice about what things we should be looking at as as development houses and and uh, innovative partners. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool. It was a four hour event that we spent great networking opportunity and, uh, they talk about how to build, grow, monetize. I mean, they've got Facebook live now. They've become a CDN. They've, be- they've taken on over the years. I mean, you see there's more video posts in your newsfeed now on Facebook than ever before. Um, with the rumors of YouTube now saying we're going to take away monetization. Everybody's getting a bit itchy. I don't think it's really going to happen to the extent that everybody's worried about it happening. But it was really nice to have Facebook come into the country and say, look, we actually, we actually care about the engineers and the developers and the, the guys coming up with great ideas here. We want to help enable you. Um, but you don't have to bump your head against it all the time. Don't learn the hard way. Let's help you out with it. So they've created developer communities. Um, they're talking about, uh, React Native. We're basically trying to standardize the coding language and platforms that we use. So whether you're a full stack or a PHP or an HTML5 or a JavaScript, they're saying, look, let's use JavaScript. Let's use React. Native. Why would that be at AfricanCom? Where does that like, well, where does that all tie in? It is about communication, so it's about okay. pushing the thing. And because they have, so AfricaCom is about the comms side of it. Everybody's using uh, devices and infrastructure to to inter- interact. It's not necessarily GSM cellular phone calls anymore. It's about how do we get data? Yeah. How do we stay connected? And once we're connected, what do we have access to? So it really does look at the entire end-to-end spectrum of. Telco providers, infrastructure partners, platform owners, platform developers, software developers, content creators, all the way through to there's not so much of an end user focus, but it's about how we can enable the, the industry to cater for you know consumers and the end user space. So it's really, really great. Um, nice, nice thing that Facebook are giving a shit about emerging markets. They're actually coming in and saying, hey. I think they realize that's where the next billion well, the, yeah, it's, I mean, it's always the thing. I mean, it's an Africa, Africa-focused event, so they're talking about emerging markets, but they're saying, look, we understand that we don't understand necessarily what you do. You here as developers in the emerging market, in the Africa space, we want to work with you to understand more about what you need so we can help give it to you. The only and, problem, though, to cut you off, sorry, no problem. Brad, is they want to work with us to help us to understand, but they're going to charge us in dollars. That's the first thing they have to understand. Most of most of the stuff that they're putting through, and they they've opened it up. It's free. You can go really? do a community development program, and you can get involved in circles, developer circles, and all these things. And uh, I spoke to Sebastian. He's one of the local South African representative for Facebook. Um, he's happy to come join us on the show next year. So we'll get some. The nice thing is we have a touch point. Yeah. And they're they're getting involved. They they're going to scale up over time. Obviously, they're they're very big on the sort of lean startup they're, they're still a very big business but they don't need a huge amount of resources in order to to, to do these and they're, they're relying on you know crowdsourced opportunity with developers actually getting together but i think focus is key and uh it, it was just really nice to to get involved uh you don't actually know how much facebook you use but from an authentication security perspective anybody that builds native apps on mobile devices you might get the opportunity to say, well, just sign in with Facebook. How many times have you downloaded an app and just say, I'll just, I'll just sign up with Facebook because I know that that's one place. I don't need to remember passwords. Uh, and for some reason, we're trusting Dr. Facebook. Doom. Dum, dum, yeah, yeah. For some reason, there's a trust level. But what, they, what they're doing is 
we've got to know what they're doing because they're doing it. And uh, they are allowing login with Facebook, uh, the centralized thing. So but We used to have that. Remember, it was called a fan gate. And then they took it away. We know about it. Yeah, the millions out there. Yeah, it's just that I, I have problems with these companies. I keep changing things because as a developer, it makes a it makes it difficult. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you got benefit from it. Yeah, so one of the things they're saying is because we got dropped in the shit big time with one of the first apps we did that used a Facebook login, and uh, I told them about it, and they were like, yeah. "Yeah, this this new initiative that they're doing, this FB Start, is to try and help people stay abreast of the changes before they happen, so we can be more proactive and less reactive um, with changes to the Facebook platform." But yeah, so that was interesting. That was one of the things we did, obviously, meeting and greeting and networking around uh, around Cape Town. Um, the, Drinking. Uh, there was a couple of beers. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was nice. But yes, the wind was insane. I, I wasn't even ready. There was one point where the car actually like changed lanes and we didn't even try. <laughs> we just, okay, now we're, we're in this lane now. All right. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was great to see the guys in Cape Town. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be back again before the end of the year. All right, cool. But uh, yeah, it was. It's nice to see that uh, it's such a beautiful city. It's really cool. Yeah, look, you know, we all knock it, we tear it to pieces. But at the end of the day, there is a jealousy component. Yeah. It's an efficient city. Yeah, it's a working city that yeah. actually works. I mean, not yeah. like people. Well, um, obviously people, and it is pretty. I yeah. mean, it's not the ugliest thing in the world. Let's be honest. It's, it doesn't look like uh, Bree Street that we have up here. <laughs> No. Um, same size mountains, but it's all quite uh, pretty down there, yeah. especially this time of year. The DA does a great job in making sure it's ready for the tourists. Ready so the there's tourist. always the nice new painted lines and there's new walkways that have been recently but that's paved. important though. Yeah, it's and good. they've budgeted for it. That's the it's point. wonderful it's to work. see a government and municipality yeah, that works. 100%. So a little bit jealous that side. I uh, also met with a joint, uh, mutual friend of ours, uh, the sea monkey, uh, the sea monster oh. guys. We went and met with yeah. monkey. Oh, it was monkey there. Monkey was there. Glenn okay, was unfortunately Glenn. up this side. We missed yeah. each other in the, in the air. But uh, yeah, we must have those guys on for a conversation around storytelling and, and engaging content. I think with them and uh, the yeah. guys from um, Brain Truth as well, that could yes. be quite an interesting thing. Probably yeah. find I'll leave it with an app design. As long as we yeah. get royalties, it's fine. That's, that's the so enablers I, and the connectors over here. <laughs> I, I don't know if they addressed it down there, but I mean, Facebook and Google were are having a whole war at the moment yeah. about fake news. I actually didn't even bother to read into it because that, that kind of stuff just like meh. But the, the, I think the takeaway from it was the fact that people are like selling ads and selling information based on stats and usership. It's, it's that same old, same old. And that's where the controls need to start coming back. So maybe with these guys actually putting a proper touch point here in South Africa, we can start to see because Google's had support office presence, representation, et cetera, et cetera, for years. Mm. You know, they said, Hey, we're here. We're here to play with you. We're here to work with you. Facebook's kind of been very, eh. Mm. If, if you've got money for us, we're here. If you don't, call Ireland. I think one know? of the big things that everybody's come up with is Google's very much open to the world. It's it's about, it's for the world. Yeah. Everybody can must have access to it. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook, although kind of similar in its approach, it kind of stayed within its own little silo, its own ecosystem that it creates. And while it's only one system that operates in its own space. I'm sure it's got WhatsApp now and Messenger and all these things, but it's a very big one space. <laughs> it is. It's a and very big space. The, that's the thing. Um, okay, so totally unrelated to yep. Facebook and Google. No problem. Um, I have a smartwatch, as you know. I always wear it. You have a my, smart iWatch. Uh, uh, my bugbear with it is its battery, as yep. with anyone. I came across such a cool thing. It's a smartwatch that you don't need to charge. Yep. I'm like, like huh? the Seiko Connect. No, remember no, back then. But, no, but yeah, I do remember that. So it works on sweat, 
Okay, what? as gross as that sounds. It's it's a very simplistic watch, but I like where these guys are thinking. So it's a sealed unit, which means it's now waterproof. So it's already half the battle of, of smartwatches won, because that mm-hmm. is a problem. I know the new Apple Watch 2 is now waterproof, and I know the there the are Android watches that are waterproof, but this is a sealed unit. So it's so 50 it converts meters. sweat into power. They, that, that was how the article is worded, but when you actually read further, it's heat. It's, so your body sweats, it releases heat. What's the it called? Senses. I don't actually oh. know. It was just like a prototype. A sweat-powered smart, smartwatch. But it, it's very basic. It does like calorie steps, like a pedometer on your wrist. Uh, it will do a sleep um, measurement thing as well, which obviously works with the app. Mm-hmm. But if they're starting on that kind of tech now, then in the next year to two, we should see the wearable market really start to boom because the problem is charging. Yeah. That's the problem. You know, uh, the you, other problem is exploding batteries. Well, yeah, we didn't go there, but uh, yes, in fact, um, there well, was Mashable put that on. I think it was Mashable. I, I had a go at them on Twitter. They posted something about a Samsung phone or whatever, and my response was, I'm, I, I bet it's going to explode into store soon. <laughs> or cells are going to explode <laughs> Lost, or something yeah. like that, you know? Um, I, I have to say this, Brett, only because I know it bugs you, and not that I love to bug Don't you, but say it. what am I going to say? <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. I'm hoping you're not going to say it. Pokemon. Damn it, bad. Okay. Pokemon <laughs> card. So not this crap that they're playing now. Yeah. 1998. Yes. There was a, you were talking about content in it. So that it kind of is relevant. Yeah. They had this thing at a, like a comic con or drawy con or how's your mom's con? I don't know. Don't get con. And they made these cards of the, what's the main character? The Pikachu. You're asking me. No, no, I know. But it's, it's, I'm reading the notes as well. Pikachu Illustrator. Mm-hmm. They made 39 of these cards. Apparently there's only 10 left in mm-hmm. circulation. This is 1998. Yep. One just sold for 70 grand American. That annoys me For a card, buddy. These are things that we used to sit there and play with as kids. Not you know, me. I didn't play it then. We were in high school, Brett. Please tell me you didn't play no, Pokemon. No, I'm talking about cards, though. Like oh, even yeah. Trumps oh, or cards. whatever. Yeah, you never, you never yeah, bought yeah. a card thinking one day this is going to be worth yeah. a gazillion, billion, million dollars. So <laughs> That is bizarre. But 70 grand for a card. Guys, you've got better things to spend your money on. Well, actually, I watched that last night. Um, on Paul like your replacement Samsung phone, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes there again. Zing, um, you know the movie, the, the movie, the, the series Porn Stars, like yes, the yeah, AWN, yeah. yes, okay, the Vegas one. So this guy walks in with this like little toy, you know, like still sealed in its box and yeah. all that. It's a Star Wars toy. Oh yeah, we were talking the office. I told me that I can't remember. It's like Jubu Fett or something. He's some hitman. Boba Fett. Yeah, him. You yeah. See, how does everyone know this shit? Now he's the bounty hunter from yes. Star Wars. Okay. Yes. So he walks in with a Boba Fett toy. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, an action figurine this big, what, I'm showing my hands, what, uh, 15 centimeters, right? I'm a terrible gauge of. Person. 1978, yes. in New York, there was a toy fair where they were going to launch this Boba Fett toy. So that, you know, like all the buyers come in that. And this dude carries like this missile thing on his, on yes. his back. And you could push a button and it, re- and it launched. And they realized that this could be a choking hazard. So when the toys came out, it was sealed. You know, it's, it's there yeah. on his back, the, the missile, but it doesn't do anything. It's just a figurine. This is that prototype oh, from wow. that show. So oh, this wow. guy walks in and he goes, I'm here to sell my Boba Fett, one of a kind prototype, blah, 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 blah. I want $150,000 and I'm not negotiable. So of course, like, let me phone an expert. And the expert walks in, he's walking towards the desk and he can see what this is. Mm. He's like, yeah, that's worth 125K. Like, boom, off the bat. Yeah. You know, now that toy, Probably sold for a dollar. The actual final Back product. Then, yeah. yeah. It's 1978. That specific one, if you think about it, maybe $50. You know, it's a mm, prototype. Yeah. It's a collect, inverted then, commas, collector's item. 1978. Yeah. It's not that long ago. 
I mean, it's like just under 40 years. Yeah. From $100 or $50, call it $1,000 to $150,000. So it just shows there are toys out there that are not toys. I mean, like this, this card, that one specific card. Yeah. These oaks paid 70 the grand. The future of value. It's, yeah. That'll be another show. There's People, another yeah. show. But value over time. <gasps> back okay. to back shows. Now I'm going to get a bit macabre. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. You have already London. spoken about the death clock. So we've yeah, covered no, there this is This is actually worse than that. Oh, uh, great. So I'm going to go from London to America, but in a heartbeat. There was a 14-year-old girl this last week mm-hmm. who had this really rare cancer. Yeah. And she won a high court application to have herself frozen against her parents' wishes. So she was going to die, okay? Okay. And she petitioned the court. She basically said that she's too young to die. She hasn't lived. And she doesn't mind if they freeze her for even 100 years. But have, got this, have they got this right? I mean, reanimating people from cryogenically frozen states. Have they got it right No, yet? they no. haven't. Well, okay. Disney's still nah. cryogenically frozen, no, apparently. He's, he's just next to the peas in the freezer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway So she won her case right But what was fascinating about this And this is something about futurology I mean this is futurology 101 yeah. You're a parent I'm yeah. a parent Our waking moments is to ensure that The well-being and, and longevity of our children mm. And happiness Okay So she basically The judge said you need to write me a letter So she mm. wrote a letter And they had extracts And they can't tell us who she is For obvious reasons and that But she basically said I have this disease that's going to kill me And I know I'm going to die But I'm not ready to die Because I haven't lived and I want to live. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that even if they bring me back a hundred years from now, and if I don't know if, and I don't know anyone, I will still get a chance to live. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? It's not a bad thing. It's her mm-hmm. choice. But if nothing else. And at I'm 14. Not, yeah, but hold on mm-hmm. a second. It's not her choice. She dies mm-hmm. with a comforting thought in her mind, which is quite a big win. She dies knowing that they, she's won her battle and potentially she could come back. Okay. But here's where it gets interesting was the science behind it. They literally had the team there, like standing outside. Again, you picture the vulture scenes. And they have to get her body down to minus 196 degrees within minutes so that the blood can't clot so it can't cause a brain hemorrhage when they do reanimate or if they do reanimate. Okay. But they showed, again, they can't tell you who this little girl is and they can't tell you it, but they can, they can show the procedure. And then how it gets into a capsule and then it gets transported and then lives in a liquid state, blah, 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 blah. In Michigan, it's apparently somewhere in Michigan because it's not allowed in the UK yet. Yeah. But how's that for like – I mean, as I said, I'm talking about a That's futuristic crazy. thing. But now yeah. what happens – so I posed a question. I came home and like everyone was like, are you nuts? Mm. I'm in my early 40s. So I've lived a really good life. I'm still healthy. I'm still strong. I'm still active, blah, blah, blah. If I, and I mean I as in not me as me now, I'm talking purely a hypothetic because I am married and I do have a kid. But if I wasn't married and if I didn't have a kid and if I didn't have any form of emotional tie, in other words, parents, brothers, sisters, reasons to be here. I'm not talking about the fact that living is awesome. I'm talking about reasons. If you could guarantee me that you could bring me back, okay? So here where I'm going, Mm -hmm. I might consider that, consider it a journey. It's like people are going to hypersleep to go to Jupiter or Mars mm. or whatever. So freeze me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bring me back in 100 years. Or actually, no, make it 150 because I'd like to see into another century. Come back. I'm still young enough, strong enough, active enough you to be able to enjoy. every decade. But that's what I'm saying. So you could come back 100 years into the future and live future. Like, you know, we've always said, oh, I wonder when they're going to get the Hyperloop. I wonder if we'll ever get time mm. travel right. Now you'll know. And if you came back in 150 years and things were still, eh, nothing, 
go back to sleep again. So you have this perpetual journey that you could actually start. Now, again, I've got to take religion off. I've got to take morals off the table. I've got to take hmm. everything. I'm putting a pure hypothetic. I just thought it was quite a… So in some, in some Amazonian tribes… <laughs> There we go. Yes, in some Amazonian <laughs> tribes, the, we, we the, the elders are the only people that hold information. So, like, if they die, it's the equivalent of like a library burning down. Okay, so there we or go. Or like Google crashing. So completely. they could, they could come back. So, like, these people would become like the the best level of perspective humanity's ever had, and they've experienced every single century. Sucks for us right now because we're the starting point. But sure, you know. but it's just it's a thought because this topic. Opens those type of thinking. You know the quantum physicists yeah. will look at it. But you the, wake the, you wake up a millennia, a millennia from now, and all of a sudden everybody's got a third arm, and you're like, "Damn it! <laughs> I check, spent all this time sleeping." Check, check the freak. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you come back like the Wally slabs, but you're now athletic and fun. You can't. So here's the idea: either you got to automate, you got to have like a microwave timer that wakes you up. So you got to hope that that microwave timer doesn't trip because the power load shedding in South Africa. So don't do it here. No. But you've also got to like. Eventually, it might catch on. Eventually, everybody's frozen. Yes. So you're going to have to do the scheduled thing where some people are awake and unfrozen. So the thawed humans <laughs> okay. have to be responsible for unthawing the frozen humans. Okay. Now, that, now we get too complex. And then who has sex and who procreates and who doesn't? Because no, but then, but, your wife is actually 7,000 years old, but she's actually only 20. So, yeah, okay. It's, but then it's a meteor just, hits the planet and only the thawed people die and all the frozen people are eternally frozen. And then they're stupid because they haven't got any knowledge. I, I get. Well, there's no one. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a thought provoker. It did keep me it up. It is, but now you've. Damn, yeah, it, it damn kept, you, yeah, you see. <laughs> You'll be sending me messages tonight. Yeah, I was, I was hoping for a relaxing December. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to get that mind of yours going. So we do have a guest today. Yes. Um, I'm actually going to just go out to a break and then we're going to come back and introduce him. Um, but yeah, how's that for a thought provoker before yeah, we, well done. before we actually go off? And this is cliffcentral.com. Welcome back to the Futurology Show. Hashtag Futurology. Hello, Brett. Hey, Brett. Hey. I'm hey. just saying it again, Doug, because How's we're it? talking about the future, reanimating. Yeah. Maybe no, my brain again. is still whirling from <laughs> time-traveling frozen people. So I said before we went off for the break that we've got a guest in today, but I've just got one more little pearl here that I actually didn't uh, didn't chat about, and I know you'll dig this because we always talk about VR. Yeah. But Google did uh, Google Earth and VR launch this week. Ah. Yeah. Okay. The only thing I'm pissed off about, it's it's like only with so Street View. No, like Google Earth. Yeah, yeah. But you go in in VR and you go down and walk. But yeah, like a street view, but from POV. Like really with, with proper VR. But like they've done the whole HD. If you have Vertigo, don't do it. You'll yeah, no, then I think you'll fall <laughs> over. But the whole, um, what do you call it? The HTC Vive. And I'm like, guys, you built freaking Daydream. You did cardboard. Mm. Why would you want to take your knees out and go straight to HTC Vive, which is probably like, that percentage of the market, he says, with let somebody else fail if it doesn't work. Yeah. Anyway, but the nice thing is that they've is done cool. it. That's a good, good sort of context, I suppose, for VR. Yeah. No, no, no. And they've done it. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, so um, as I said, we got a guest today. We have uh, Rashad Shah, correct? Okay. From um, well, I don't know. You've got multiple. It's Dark Fiber Africa, Sigvox, Squidnet. You tell us. I don't know. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> Great. Hi, Brett. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, the Chief Strategy Officer at DFA, which is a fiber network operator, okay. uh, you know, primarily connecting fiber points across South Africa. And we uh, love you for it and your company. There are extra Thank manholes you. with your logos all over them. 
That's, That's nice. <laughs> right. And in addition to that, uh, as of this week, I'm the CEO of uh, SquidNet. Congratulations. Squidnet. Thank you. SquidNet is a IoT network operator that uh, we announced last week. And um, this basically the, the, op- the op- objective of SquidNet is to build out a listening post network that will traverse the entire country listening for messages coming from objects or things. So, you know, if we and understand the internet, what the internet of things, of things is all like about. Yeah. We love internet of things. Yes. So right. we've actually, we were quite privileged to be involved with the Gartner Symposium. And one of the innovators was IoT.next. I don't know if you've engaged with these guys at all. or Not as yet, but we're looking forward to engaging with all of the ecosystem. Awesome. Yeah, well, these guys are, yeah, yeah, I mean, from a South African play. Yeah. Uh, you want to speak to these guys. We so definitely to quite a few of them, yeah. We'll give you the, the contact details and reach out to Nico, the CEO. He's fantastic. Great. We, we actually had him on the show. Now, what is interesting for me is, and we were actually talking about it earlier, like four years ago, Brett was standing up on a stage talking about the mobile being the main screen and content being delivered and don't worry about TV. And everyone's like, are you crazy? So and when you say Brett, you meaning yourself Brett. or the other? This okay. Brett. He okay. doesn't so, talk to himself yeah. about himself so, in the third yeah, person. Okay. Okay. So it's just very weird. 100%. So it's when I say Brett, that. when I say Brett, I'm obviously talking about him. Okay. The internet like, of um, Brett's. What's that dude from um, Smeagol? Smeagol's my precious. It's me. <laughs> We're actually but, the uh, same people. But when you talk Brett, you need to be B1 or B2 because we don't know who you're talking. I'll just say Brett's because we kind of are a bit split. Um, we. So w- what I was saying is like, he was talking about tech and innovation and, and futurism, hence futurology, and I thought he was mad. I was in Barcelona last year, 2015, at Mobile World Congress, and there was a very, very small little stand there on a company called Sigvox. And you're nodding, you're nodding your head because I'm leading into that. And Sigvox had this Internet of Thing device that would let you send messages over um, – over networks, but without needing networks because the machines went. I was like, dude, what? And I actually brought one of these little devices back because one day I knew it was going to turn on. You've just brought Sigvox. That's the announcement. You're bringing yeah. them to Africa or South Africa. That's, That's correct. That's okay. correct. We'll be building a network um, to cover 85% of South Africa's population. And uh, that would enable those devices like the one that you played with uh, to come alive and start working. So it's really about connecting the physical world to the digital virtual world. And that's what Internet of Things is all about. All right. So I want you to explain that because Sigfox, by my understanding, is French. They're a French company. And the guy in the stand was French and we were in Spain. So you can imagine where I'm going with this. Between Parle Vuing Francais and No Hablo Español, I kind of didn't really get – that was not bad, huh? <laughs> Do you want me to do it again? I know no. lots of languages. I can count to 10 in all of them. <laughs> I think that's one of my wife's tricks as well. So um, I can swear in Italian. Yeah. So basically, I didn't get the full picture, but I think more mm. importantly, the world wasn't ready for it. It was kind of like next level. I mean, let's be honest. IoT is only really broken this year. It's become massive this year. Um, take us through what this journey is. And obviously, the importance of Dark Fiber Africa, DFA, being mm-hmm. the partner that's actually going to enable it through to what this network looks like because again you know they were talking about this network running off cell towers and i'm like okay but i have a cell phone it's like no but you don't need a sim card i just really didn't follow the journey so i'm so excited that one we're one of the first interviews i'm assuming on this which is great so it's always nice to be first for the future but two no one's people are battling with this stuff it's like it's really as next level so take us through how these components come together to connect the connected to the non-connected. Okay. So I think the uh, important aspect to, to understand about Internet of Things is it's really about how do you connect um, 
items that are in the physical world into this virtual world and and what does it take to connect those things to this world and um, also to understand why would you want them connected so if we just go back to the definition of uh, iot itself it's really about the internetworking of a device or an object of some kind with some network connectivity on top of it, some processing power potentially in that device, and some kind of a sensor or actuator that allows you to sense something. So if you think of an object of some kind, so like the one you played with, that was a vibration sensor, it was a door opening sensor, it was a light sensor, it was a temperature sensor. Yeah, it was you're a couple right. of things. It had about that. So just for the listeners, because, I mean, even Brett hasn't seen it. It was a little, it looked like almost an egg-shaped um thing and it was probably about the size of a remote control they had them on lanyards and there were different color leds brett there was a green blue red and you you clicked a button and it activated right and you clicked a button again and went another color and exactly what you're saying you could program this thing to open a door or make a phone call and the way the, the one thing i did understand was like for the elderly if they fell down the the the, the gyrometer side would picture movement displacement at speed and automatically send a message to whatever that programming was. And that's kind of the gist of what I got on this. That's, that's exactly it. And that device you played with was a demo device that just to give you a sense of the type of sensors. Money? Shall I hold on to it? <laughs> You'll be able to use it as your home alarm system very soon, actually. So that, that's the one thing <laughs> I have movement. With, with development and innovation we talk about a lot is it's, it's context. We have a lot of the things already. These smart devices are everywhere. What we don't have is the context. So we've got a goldfish in a bowl. We don't have any water. The way I like to think of it is that Sigfox are going to provide this context, the, this network, this connected reason for having all these things. Yeah, so, and that network is a SquidNet network. That's the company we cool. launched in South Africa. It's built on the Sigfox technology. Yep. So Sigfox is the exclusive uh, technology provider to us Brilliant. In, to enable us to roll out this network. And the network is basically, if you think of it, it's um, – base stations that are listening posts right. that will be out there listening for messages coming from various objects. And those objects could be anything from a little tag that's stuck onto a high-value piece of equipment in a hospital ward that has a geofence around it that says this little device or this machinery is only allowed to move in this floor, in this ward. And if it moves out of that space, it could trigger an alarm of some kind. So it's really about... How do I manage, operate, track, sense various objects for a specific purpose? Mm-hmm. So it has to have a purpose. So you could be tracking it from a security perspective. You could be tracking it from a usage perspective. You could be tracking something as simple as an acoustic signal coming, um, taking place at an ATM where somebody wow. starts up an angle grinder about to cut through say. something. You could trigger an alert that says – um, I think something's about to happen here. Um, let me trigger something, um, mm. whether it's a security service or, or some, some other form of But you've of enabled all those types of thinking. And that's what yes. the enablement is all about. And if you think about uh, security cameras that are out there today, the camera can't really stop anybody from doing anything. No. But what it's able to do is capture the recording of what happened. Yeah. Now, what you want to move into the world of saying, how do I do something proactively while something's happening? And and that's where you can bring these two together. So you've got a whole artificial intelligence play there as well, that obviously there's going to be behavioral patterns that will be mimicked or pre, pre-loaded uh, into some form of AI bank that if, if it, like if this, then that. So if you see that, yeah. then do that. 
you know. Yeah, and you'll do local processing of some kind. So you might program the device to take some action locally. Mm-hmm. You might say, okay, I want the stream of data to go into the cloud. <laughs> And collection of this data, which is again here now feeding the big data story around that. How do I analyze this large volumes of data that I'm mm. collecting from millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of sensors around the world doing various things? So there might be a situation now where we know that certain re- data is worth recording. We're just going to record it. We might not have a, necessarily have a plan of how we're going to interpret it yet, but we're going to record it and Absolutely. then put it somewhere. But yeah. Go back over time and say, right, 25 years later, we can actually tell you that the amount of farm gates that swing every day in KwaZulu-Natal produce so much noise that we can, you know, we're slowing the world down. Who knows what it is? But the thing is, we're not measuring anything, so we can't monitor it, so we can't approve anything. Is that sort of That's, how Internet of Things is going to change the world? Absolutely, it's going to change the world. And, you you know, that, that point you made there about collection of the data, we don't know what we're going to do with this data. Let's collect it anyway. It's cheap to collect the data. Storage costs very little with you know some of the global providers out there today you can co- literally collect this data and analyze it historically to also mm. help you predict what should happen so if you think of in the industrial world heavy machinery doing specific tasks mm. by just monitoring what those machines are doing you'd be able to um, quite reliably predict what maintenance mm. uh, requirements they may have in the future that's awesome to be honest as a proper dweeb um, I have a version of heaven in my mind where I have the analytics of everything I've ever done in my life, like everything, like down to how many times I've tied my shoelaces to how many times I've actually blinked because I think that's fascinating. But isn't is it? Is <laughs> I can some, think of things that I'd no, but it's remember. just it's just like can you imagine you go into this room that is just a board of information and you can literally say I want to know that and you can you can know it whether or not you need to do something with it is irrelevant. The fact that you can know it does it kill you a little bit inside that there is information for the last millennia. Or since 1978 or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) why not? Let's go there. 1978. But like, is there anything, like, if you could have recorded anything, what would you have started with? That's a completely random question, but looking to the past to judge what we're going to do in the future may be helpful. Yeah, I would have recorded thoughts. I would have tried, found a mechanism to, if I were able to record the thoughts that I have on on everything that yes. I do and operate yourself. from an can, environmental Can I be like my grandfather now? Amazing. It's called a pen and paper. There's <laughs> <laughs> not enough paper in the world. I think that would be the most common answer. Yeah. Because, you know, we spend our lives with experiences and yeah. memories and all that. But I can't remember it. Yeah, mm. I can. There's certain things I can remember clearly, like standing outside the headmaster's office to get lashed on a Monday morning. That one I can't get rid of. But I can't remember the other things that are probably a lot cooler than that. Yeah. But, the interesting thing for me with your the current setup, and probably that's maybe what's made it finally happen here, is you've got a three-way party here. You've got DFA, which is obviously the network. Infrastructure. Nice. Yeah, so, so this company, SquidNet, is a subsidiary of DFA, so it's 100% okay. owned by DFA. Uh, DFA provides fiber connectivity to mm. anything and everything you want to connect to. So DFA would potentially provide connectivity to us to our base stations but we would be able to use whoever we wanted to to provide that was it was almost like a double-barreled question i remember when i again a year and a half ago whatever it was um the intimation was that you actually needed a network that was already up and running and all those good things you know and you're doing this that seemed to be the handbrake, um, you know. Yeah. But you guys effectively are a network. I mean, you're an enabler. That's what DFA does. Exactly. I We're mean, an enabler. No matter who you buy your fiber from, that's coming from you or maybe two other players. Yeah. You know. That's that's it. That's um, it. 
what is the what is the initial or first opportunities that you guys are going to realize? I mean, you're sitting on a toy box. You could go anywhere you wanted. You just told me that I've got a device whose battery's probably expired already that I could actually reawaken, you know? And I'm going to. I'm going straight back to my office. Now it's in a little silver foil packet. I know exactly where it is. It's got a green lanyard with Sigfox on it. And I'm going to turn it on and see what happens. <laughs> well, nothing. It's just going to go bing. Well, well, you know, the amazing thing, you, you touched on an important point there about the battery. And uh, so what the Internet of Things enables is um, for you to be able to have these devices, these objects deployed in a way that is providing the sensing information but doesn't have to have a, a physical constraint of, of this battery life, something that needs to be charged all the time, like the you know mobile phones that you have that needs a constant charge. Yeah. And, and I think together as Sigfox uh, with SquidNet, what we're enabling is, is three important aspects to allow Internet of Things to scale at a dramatic level. And those three things are, one is low consumption, uh, power consumption of the device. The device could be anything from one year to ten years without a, with, with a single charge. So you would be able to deploy the device in the field and it would own, and it would last for whatever period you wanted it to based on the use case that you specified. So the first important pillar in this is the low power usage of that specific object that you deploy. The second pillar that supports wide-scale deployment is the cost of the device. Because mm. that little device that you have, you know, if I told you the price of it with five sensors and none at scale, that's like a $10 device, which means that the cost of these objects are so low already that the embedded object cost, the embedded connectivity cost, the embedded capability to connect to the SquidNet network is already $2 mm. for whatever that big machinery that you're producing or the big device that you're producing, even the GPS tracker, it's already down to $2 and lower without requiring large volumes. So that's the second supporting pillar, meaning if the object is so low cost, you would be able to sell more of them. Yeah. People will be able to adopt more of them. A factory floor would be able to deploy hundreds of thousands if the use case is there for them to sure. get some benefit. And then the third part of of this whole puzzle is the connectivity cost. So how cheap is the connectivity? I mean, we all uh, know about uh, the various hashtags in South Africa that demand for certain connectivity, uh, price changes, etc. Or the data must fall thing. Yeah, something like We're that. We're allowed to mention it here, I think. <laughs> We're unscripted, yeah. uncensored, and anything we want. So, I mean, there, I think, where we bring a significant benefit to IoT for South Africa is that uh, we're going in a slightly different connectivity charging model. I mean, we charge I was going to get to something that, yeah. like a, you know a fee per annum. You know, we're still busy working out the finer details, which we'll share in the market in the next mm. couple of days. But that fee will be less than for, per annum will be less than what most machine to machine solutions cost per month. Yeah. If not cost per week, so so IoT is dealing with bits really of information. It's not. It's not megabytes. That's it's not it. things. It's that's it. Lots of tiny little bits of relevant information when interpreted correctly. Exactly, and it's complementary to what mobile network operators are doing in South Africa and some of the launches you would have seen at AfricaCom hmm. around NBIoT, NBIoT, which focuses on some of the higher volume of data and of course the sim based ones even higher than that mm. so we're fitting in right at the bottom end of this saying that we want to focus on the very small bits of data and use cases that only require a message mm. once every a maximum every 10 minutes 
per yeah. day. It's yep. still a lot of messages. But that's great because that's really where the focus is. Is your for security us. fence still up and live? You only have to ping it once and once every three is hours. My gate, is my gate closed? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But with all the consumers moving into the 4G, 3G, 4G, 5G spectrum, it's leaving a lot of great space for you guys to play in the IoT space. Does that is that is that a benefit? See that moment of silence there. Yeah, because this is the way I'm thinking. <laughs> so well, America, no, you I can't think, be the fifth. I think the um, the world is enabled for for there to be high speed services and for there to be medium and for there to be low ones. And of course, on the low ones, you're still going to get a a much larger adoption of it in terms of volumes. Mm. And I mean, today we are DFA as well. We we are at the right at the top end of this yeah, high speed mm-hmm. connectivity I mean. platform that we've built and and operate. And here we're going in at the really low end from a bits perspective. It's really about how does that volume of devices, how does, how does it, how does it impact on a citizen's life? How does it impact on a business, on an industry to bring specific benefits, whether it's a, um, cost improvement or whether it's a value enhancing capability? You, you have both. And mm. the Internet of Things is what enables that. I think my question there is, is, you know, a lot of companies in South Africa get it wrong. They try and be everything to everyone. They try and be the supplier as well as the customer, as well as the reseller, as well as the distributor. And we see that. We see that a lot, you know, and it's problematic. Um, let's go back to my simple device or any device that I create because, quite honestly, that's what IoT is all about. I can get my own sensors and I can use your network. So I don't need to engage with you. Um, for the programming side of it, I need to engage with you for the traffic side of it. So you were saying, like you, you know, your costs could probably be as your annual cost could be as low as someone's monthly cost, which is really exciting. Um, I now have built a device, whatever that device is. It is it's got an IoT ready sensor. What happens there? Do I contact you guys and you give me a pathway? Uh, yeah. Is there a gateway that I have to log into yeah. to create? Instructions. That little devicing yeah. that I've got, it's going to do something. Yeah. Someone made it do something. So, I mean, that's a great question because you're actually asking, how does this whole ecosystem come together in South Africa, and how? What is the role we'll be playing in that? So, the role we're going to be playing is the connectivity provider that will act as an enablement platform. So, for device manufacturers, guys that want to make devices, program stuff, by default, we'll give them free access to our network. If they're developing a product, Sigfox embedded connectivity, they have free access to our network. Oh, that's quite cool. Um, the programming code that they need to make it work on the Sigfox network is also available from Sigfox, royalty free. So it's to invigorate that ecosystem to get more people making more products and devices um, today. So that's the first important aspect. Okay. The second aspect is if you're making a device, you might there might be software providers that want to do something with the device. So it might be the same company that says, I'm making this device to do X, Y, and Z to produce this stream of data and to track something and provide a app that goes onto your phone to know where your pet is, as an example, mm-hmm. right? So that's a little device plus an application. The role we'll play there is we're actually we'll give those providers access to the network to go develop whatever applications and products that they want to do and take it to market themselves or through our channel partners. Now, we will not be selling straight to consumers. We'll just be acting as the connectivity provider in between that device manufacturers, software providers, users, and then, of course, the the people that sell it into businesses and consumers will come together. Okay, because… 
Uh, I mean, we'll Brett, we're at the top of the hour already. I can't, I can't believe Mad. it. But the the question I wanted to ask, when you talk about putting the Sigvox code or the Sigvox um, tech into it, do you require some form of SIM card? Do you require some form because that's that's the that's yeah. the holy grail? You know, I've done stuff before where you'll put a, a Raspberry Pi into a, a something and you send a signal via the internet, and the Raspberry Pi does the yeah. work. Um, but the Raspberry Pi can't work unless I put a dongle in with a SIM card to give it connectivity. Mm. No you, SIM card required. This is embedded code in a sub-gigahertz uh, module that's embedded in that. How awesome is that? Shut your dirty mouth. That doesn't, <laughs> you that see? doesn't, that doesn't even you exist. This is what I'm trying to tell you. I, I saw this stuff. There's booty magic like, happening here. So basically, no Fika, no Rika, no Ika. And don't worry about any of the big four colors. You don't have to give them any money. But you can make your devices play and talk to each other. Absolutely. The internet without the internet. Is the IoT, is it one, it's one way communication then? From device into the, into our collecting You point. can have two way communication. No, can we have two way communication? Yeah. This little thing you push your So you can actually create actuated space. Absolutely. Engagement. Yeah. It's ridiculous, huh? I know, I, I, I saw this like over a year ago and I was like, what? I'll free okay, up some energy again. for the what? end of the year to make sure you can keep tackling some new <laughs> solutions. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, so That's watch awesome. the space. Squidnet uh, has launched and we'll be rolling out that network. Well, that was my last rate. question. So you've launched. Do you have anything in the market at the moment? Is there a... Is, is there a company that's doing something that we could follow or see or you know, not allowed to talk about that there, yet? Or? I mean, there's over 300 devices already available globally that could be used in, in the market uh, in South Africa that will work in South African uh, use cases. The focus initially is to build out the network itself and, and to get the footprint. As I said, we want to cover 85% of the population. So we went, um, you know, we have two sites live already, uh, and we'll start rolling that out at a rapid la- rate. We expect to have the entire network built within the next 18 months or so. Sure. Okay. And, uh, but having said that, because of the type of network it is, you, you know, if we just connect Johannesburg, if we put up a couple of base stations, Johannesburg would be live on the network. So for Stuff that needs to be connected here, it would be able to be used immediately. So if people are listening to the show and they want to get hold of you, what's the best way? Twitter, Instagram, and the website, okay. squidnet.com. We've, we've retweeted a lot of Yo, those at handles. Those handles are so there. check it out. Otherwise, it's sigfox.com. Uh, squidnet.com. Squidnet. squidnet. Okay. And that's, that, that's S-Q-W-I-D. Yes. That's my last question before we have to wrap. How did you get that name? If it's a quick, if it's a quick answer. Yeah, it's a quick answer. So actually a squid is something that has over a billion receptors on it, um, both eyes as well as its entire body. So this is really about a sensory network that we're building. So we thought the name would be appropriate. No, I like it. You you remember what the front of our kegerator looks like? Yes. No, there we go. It's got a squid on the front. So you need to come around for a beer one day. Right. So we are going to have to wrap up before I start getting evil hand signs through from the producer's side. Uh, Brett, thought for the week? I'm going to steal. I've killed your brains now. Yeah, yeah, no, there's lots to think about. But the uh, I'm going to steal from the sigfox.com website. And the the idea that you guys, there's a thing here that says, we have a dream. Imagine a world where things can communicate with us. The Internet of Things will transform our lives in the next 25 years. Driven by simplicity, we unlock the power of IoT and give life to the physical world. And that's amazing. So if you guys are any dreamers out there, any innovators, any aspiring World changes. You've now got the ability and the access to change things within the context provided by you guys. So I think it's amazing. I think the more we can enable amazing to happen, it will start seeing it unravel. Well, there we go. Uh, Rashad, we're definitely going to be following this journey. And please uh, yeah, stay friends of the station. Give us the updates and let us know what's going on because we do enjoy IoT. Yeah. So thank you for coming through. We'll retweet all the details again as well. 
And uh, until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. Cliffcentral.com.